You're listening to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. to a special bonus episode of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I'm your host, The Samurai, and I got my pal, Big Willie, with me. Hello. And we got a special guest with us as well. Hola! <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, that's Bill from Outside the Cinema. <laughs> he, he actually he actually sounded a little bit like uh, Gene Davis's Spanish accent in 10 to Midnight. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> no está aquí. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, so we wanted to do a special bonus episode because uh, there is an impending release, at least in part of North America, known as the Great White North, of a buzz film uh, that's out there known as Martyrs. I'm sure that I don't really need to go into a whole lot of detail about Martyrs. Uh, most people know about it or know of it at this point. But we wanted to uh, be one of the first, we'll be honest, we wanted to be one of the first uh, people to cover it and we wanted to get it out there. And so we thought we'd uh, all three get together. We've all seen it now, uh, the three of us anyway. And uh, we wanted to do a little show for everybody. So I'm going to basically just go ahead and kick this off and get it going. Uh, I'm just going to synopsize and uh, kick it over and we'll just get rocking and rolling on this thing. All right. So Martyrs from uh, 2008. Uh, the basic plot is this. Uh, a young woman's quest for revenge against the people who kidnapped and tormented her as a child leads her and a friend who is also a victim of child abuse on a terrifying journey into a living hell of depravity. So that's the basic plot synopsis. I'll go ahead and kick it over to uh, let's go ahead and kick it over to uh, Large William get us started and see what he has to say. Okay. I Let me just start by saying I'm very happy I can finally talk about this with you guys because you, as you know, Bill... Uh, uh, and Sammy, when I'd seen it uh, at Midnight Madness, I was just uh, quaking in my boots, man. I just couldn't believe what I'd seen. So to be able to finally talk about this with you guys feels really good. So with that out of the way, um, the thing that starts this film off is it is immediately unsettling. Um, basically, you know, you get the young girl, um, Lucy, I believe it is. She's uh, she's really dirty, blood kind of dried and caked on her, bruised up. She's kind of screaming, and you can you know you can hear her feet kind of smacking on the pavement as she's trying to get away from something. Um, so right away, you're plunged into this um, this really unsettling feeling of dread. Yes, you know? yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, right away, you know, kind of where it's going to take you. Um, the next thing is, uh, that I got here is I was really, I really liked, um, Loger's uh, idea to use kind of super eight footage, um, because essentially the character of Lucy gets put into child services or child welfare, whatever the term would be. And you can see her trying to, um, acclimate, get, yeah, acclimate, uh, to sort of a normal or some semblance of norm normalcy again. Uh, and they've toured the facilities where she was. And, um, I thought that was a really nice touch because it, it, it sets up the brutality of where she was because you get this image of this chair, uh, with chains and a hole in it. And I was saying to, uh, Sammy off the air that, um, that really, really is a powerful, simple image because it doesn't, you don't need to see anything. You can only, your mind can do a lot worse than they could have showed you, uh, when you first see that next thing to that, again, 
have that. Wait, hang on. Hang on. I only got one thing to add. Uh, why mm. is it? I don't know about you guys. I don't know how you feel about this, but why does Super 8 film work so well in horror films, do you think? <laughs> it's the dinginess that you get from it. Everything you see from that point on is very uh, sharp and crystal. And this happens mm-hmm. in, I would say, 9 out of 10 movies that use it, where they use that to kind of show you the griminess of what's already happened before you kind of get thrown into the super slick modern day feel. It also creates uh, a, t- a past time feeling. Right. Well, it, it, it gives you that sense of reality because once you get a lot of gloss, and that's a problem a lot of us as horror and genre fans have with the films, is a lot of, I haven't seen the new Friday the 13th, but a lot of the complaints I've heard uh, rivaled against it are that, um, or leveled against it are that it's a little bit glossy. And when you get that Super 8 footage, it adds a sense of reality and, like Bill said, a sense of sort of uh, grime. And it's not polished. And when things are, aren't that slick, it, it makes it seem more real. It's almost like, if I may use a sort of smutty analogy, when we see amateur porn, and one of the reasons it's so popular is because it feels more real to people. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I would say that's probably true. I mean, that was probably true why the amateur porn's caught on so well. But yeah, I, I was just saying that because of uh, kind of my natural fear is I'm, I'm one of those guys who doesn't like to watch like the uh, the real videos of people getting killed or, you know, animal attacks or any of that thing. I, that stuff bothers me somehow. And for, that kind of stuff always takes me back to that kind of sense of, of dread of something awful. Good. Even though in this film, the old footage is not showing you any really bad stuff. I mean, some sort of some sort of murky type stuff, but looks like it was a happier time a simpler time in some respects i mean there's a, a bandage on her eye and some things like that but i mean usually with that kind of stuff it always reminds me that something bad's getting ready to happen <laughs> so so i think that's why it always works for me because it's always like the calm before the storm it, and, and it seems to work I, I remember i didn't like that film feast too much i mean i liked it it was okay but i remember the super eight footage at the beginning it was really really very cool but uh feast i always fun. think it worked really well yeah it was fun but it was just i mean it went great it was just fun that's all we can go ahead and keep going now <laughs> <laughs> all right uh the next thing that it really grabs you immediately with this film is the score um oh, the score yeah. was done seppuku paradigm uh just a real haunting kind of uh, sparse score that worked really really well and it really gives you that sense of and something that's pervasive uh, throughout the film is a sense of a real deeply a deep sense of sadness i don't know if you guys oh yeah agree. no definitely it's um top to bottom the film is nothing but a bummer <laughs> yeah yeah no <laughs> I, i'm it. laughing but that doesn't mean i'm like, well, i had a great time with this movie what are you guys talking about <laughs> yeah the, the term feel good movie of the year would apply here um i think also the super eight footage it it, it also lends getting back to it for a moment it lends some authenticity to the because that's the way i perceived the super eight footage uh it lends an authenticity and a depth to the friendship between the two girls yeah. uh really really well you can kind of see that get established early on and 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 you see just from how young they are because you know when you see how young they are and then you see when it flashes forward the 15 years later it okay 15 years is one thing and you can we all know how long 15 years is but to have some sort of um, visual sort of tangible point of reference to see wow they look so young there and now they're these these grown women again it just goes to show how deep their commitment to each other is in terms of their friendship definitely what else do i got here i got a boatload of notes no, i think i think we all got a boatload of notes on this i know myself i got two three pages i watched it actually for a second time tonight i watched it for the first time on uh, a sunny sunday morning the other day and uh actually made myself go back and watch it again tonight because i was still thinking about it so much um okay uh i have 
a lot of my notes going forward from this point are probably going to be spoilerific. So what I'm going to do is I want to touch on maybe one more thing and then kick it over to you guys because I think we had planned on kind of doing a two-part sort of review here because I know all three of us feel very strongly that this is a film you want to be as cold going into as possible. So the last thing I got is once uh, you see Lucy and, and Anna at the orphanage, you can see Lucy, um, she puts the chair underneath their bedroom door because she is she's so terrified that someone's going to get her. Um and sometimes just seeing those little things and seeing those psychological and emotional ripples in a film really, really can pack a wallop. And, and that's something that it felt like for me was to see the after effects psychologically and emotionally of her at that young age. And then as we get to the other part of the review later on, it really hits home and, and elicits a lot of sympathy and compassion for the characters. No doubt. So yeah. I'll kick it over to one of you uh, two verbose men uh, to carry this on. <laughs> well, I got something I just kind of I want to I want to read that I actually grabbed off a of Twitch uh, that I think really kind of reads to what this film kind of is and where it's where it falls in the pantheon of you know like horror and shock cinema today because it's definitely it's it's one of the most talked about horror films without without a doubt of the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Twitch. I apologize, I don't actually have the guy that wrote it, but this was uh, someone that saw the same screening that you did at TIFF. Well, so. Uh, so bear with my uh, my stuttering reading skills, and I'll do my best to get through this without messing it up too much. Uh, much like Nar- Nacho Setter's Aftermath, Pascal Luo's Martyrs is destined to achieve instant notoriety worldwide thanks to its unflinching, shockingly realistic depiction of some truly unsavory behavior. Also like Setter's Aftermath, Martyrs will no doubt be lumped in with a group of fil- films that are far less good than what it is. Films with less understanding of the material they're trying to handle, and films that cannot hold a candle to what this film is. Yes, kids, expect the Torchborn labeling and hostile comparisons to be flying fast and thick, and then be prepared to nor- ignore every single one of them. N- nothing in common with Hostel or any other torture porn films is what this has. In fact, you could argue that Marta's is the anti-exploitation exploitation film. And I, can wa- I want to read that again, because I'm going to touch on that again later. Uh, in fact, you could argue that Marta's is the anti-exploitation exploitation film. A film filled with incredibly extreme elements, true, but a film that has no interest in using those elements to titillate or fill the audience with any type of thrill. No, the shock elements are not there to open the... I'm going to read that part again. No, the shock elements are there to open the door to something far more substantial. Now, I think one of the things with this film that's going to hurt it in a number of different ways when it gets out there to the mass public is the... And this is going to come off sounding film snobby, and I'm going to apologize for that because I don't consider myself a film snob. I don't think any of us really consider ourselves film snobs. But I think the majority of the people outside of, you know, like, the people that are really into film aren't going to understand what this film is. Uh, I'd say that's that's a somewhat valid... Or that's a very valid point, actually, Bill, and I agree with everything i think it might have been todd brown of twitch forgive me uh, any twitch writers if you're listening to this uh that wrote that and i couldn't agree more with that statement i'm very very happy you you read it because i agree with everything absolutely that this is an anti-exploitation exploitation film um because it it you know, a lot of times with exploitation films, it shows that, but it doesn't show the after effects like we'd said. So it's, yeah, it's a shame that a lot of people are going to miss the boat on this and think, this, you know, this fucking sucks, man. Like, I've seen way worse in, uh, you know, in whatever, uh, you know, Salo or whatever, right? And it's just, it's not, you're missing the point. I mean, I don't want this to sound pretentious, but I think to call this film a horror film does it a disservice. I agree. I agree. Because it, it, it completely, completely transcends that and what it's trying to do and what it does and what it brings to the table. Technically, a 
emotionally and otherwise. Yeah, and the only thing I can really add to any of this is uh, you guys have both been lucky enough to see it, watch it twice. I've only watched it once. I watched it uh, last night. I'm a smart enough film guy, not a pretentious enough film guy, but a smart enough film guy to know that I missed a few things, not plot-wise or story-wise, nothing like that, but some of the hidden meanings of the film or some of the deeper meanings of the film. I'm smart enough to know that this is a film, regardless of its content, that I'm going to have to watch again and again and again. It's kind of like that, that thing we talked about with uh, Let the Right One In and how you kind of go back and you kind of get something different from it every time you go back. And uh, I'm looking forward to revisiting this as weird in a way as that sounds because of some of the stuff that happens in this, some of the depraved things that happen to this film. Oh yeah. Uh, but I'm interested in going back and, and you know experiencing that again. And I'm interested in actually ever seeing it you know with a crowd of people. Not, not like in a theater so much, but like you know four or five friends to see how that happens. See, There's now, just I some things like that. Theater. I'm, I'm bummed that I'm never going to get to see this in a theater with people. I would love to see the reaction on 100, 150 people in, a, in a, an auditorium watching this. I'm, I'm upset that I'm never going to get that chance because the Weinsteins don't know how to handle a film properly. And you yeah, know, one of us, one of us has seen it in the theater, though, haven't they? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I, I, I want to say I don't want to say I hate to be the one because I love to be the one. No disrespect, guys, but. Uh, <laughs> In, in in regards to seeing it in the screen, I was saying this to Rick, Bill, is, you know, a lot of times, and all of us are genre fans, and we've been to very genre-specific screenings that genre-specific people have put on, and a lot of times you get this this sort of tidal wave, it almost becomes a pissing contest, where you get these kids in the audience that start laughing at the worst parts, and you, I think to myself, you, you fucking idiot. This isn't even funny, but you got you got to, you know, rep like, you know, you're too cool for school, you can handle this. This movie whacked people in the nuts, or in the box, so hard that they couldn't <laughs> laugh anymore. I mean, there are people were gasping at some of the stuff mm. you know and i love that it that had the power to do that to shut those people up that go there dragging their knuckles and they're trying to beat their chest you know to say oh, i can take it all my my, uh, my box is sore <laughs> 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 oh yeah that's what she no said. no I, I yeah I agree with that. That is a great statement, though. The anti-exploitation, exploitation film. I mean, uh, you know, you go into it with one sense, and you come out of it with something else. So that's not even. It's not. That doesn't even matter that it's a genre movie or a quote-unquote horror film. That just means that it's a well-made film. Uh, just so happens to have some extreme elements. So hopefully, this film will be looked upon, you know, later as a kind of an important piece in uh, genre cinema, like uh, you know, like Texas Chainsaw or films like that. Who, uh, you know, at the time, Texas Chainsaw was pretty extreme, or at least seemed that way. Uh, uh, no, it was. But, you know, it was. Yeah, it was at the time. I mean, the title really evokes so much anyway. So I'm thinking that Martyrs and, you know, 20 years down the line, this will be something that people will talk about uh, over and over and over again. And uh, that's a true testament of anything. I mean, if Pascal Lager ever makes another movie, he's made uh, something that he'll always be remembered for. And that's uh, that's an achievement. Well, Pascal Lager is uh, helming the uh, Hellraiser remake. So, yeah, and I can totally I would see say that. that after seeing. Yeah, it's very fitting. Uh, I, I have faith in him doing it. I have absolute faith in him doing it after seeing this film. All right. So, you guys, uh, you got some more you want to add to it, Bill? And um, I mean, yeah. The- if I, do you guys just want to kind of head into the spoiler territory and let everyone know that you know if you don't want to know any specific plot points now would probably be the time to tune out? Uh, yeah, we can do that in just a second. Let me go over just a couple notes I have that aren't spoilerific before we get into it. Uh, I want to say that, and I was talking to Will about this. Uh, the first twenty minutes are just a great mix of kind of serenity and horror. Uh, there was some just it was just like a great mix. I mean, it's just like even balanced. Unlike unlike a lot of horror films where you know they kind of give you all the nicety and all the all the pretty stuff and then they kind of hit you over the head this hits you over the head too but n- not it, I don't know the horror that happens, and we'll get into it when we go to the next segment. But what happens in these calm moments, how they're disrupted, is uh, is a punch in the fucking gut. 
I, well, I felt <laughs> like the film almost, it was kind of almost like what you were actually seeing on screen, where like you're just continuously getting slapped in the face. Yeah. And you get that yeah. moment where you're like, oh, okay, and then you get slapped in the face again. Yes. Yes. I just wanted to add that before we get into the spoiler territory, because that's the thing that I really pulled away from this is the, the editing and the direction and the sound editing and things like that. I mean, some amazing stuff in the way they mix the uh, kind of calm and the and the horrible. Oh, yeah. Because it's, uh, we, it's after 20 minutes, it's a, uh, and as we're getting ready to find out here in a minute, it's a totally different movie. <laughs> Yeah, well, it starts to change rapidly. <laughs> yeah, technically, technically the movie's stunning. I mean, it's technically oh, absolutely second to none. I mean, I can't think of another movie that I've seen in the horror genre or in any genre at this point that is technically well suited as this is. And it wasn't expensive. It was budgeted at about six and a half million dollars. So it's not like this was a film that cost you know money to make. I mean, six million dollars is 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 pennies on what you know what's out there today. Oh yeah, you can you can piss away six million pretty easy and. Hollywood, hmm. you know, but they, they were smart. Again, it goes back to the, the smart filmmaking. You take two or three sets, you use them, you get, you know, savvy veterans to take the key elements like the sound design and the special effects, and that's going to stretch your dollar a lot further. Yes, yes. I was just getting ready to say the same thing. You take a couple sets, you build your story. Your story don't have to be gigantic. I mean, this story's big in scale, but they keep it very small. And, uh, you know, you manage to pull it off very easily and very, you know, very effectively with very little money. Very convincing. Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah, the sound design, again, I cannot get over how good sound the sound design was in this film. Ridiculous. Yeah, which we'll talk about more when we go into the spoiler territory because uh, some of the sound it will involve the spoiler stuff. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick short break. Uh, we just want to give everybody a heads up that now we're going to head into the kind of trepidatious waters of the spoiler, which is something we don't typically do on The Gentleman's Guide, but there's really no way to talk about this film any further unless we do spoil it. And we'll try not to spoil it completely, but we're going to we're we definitely going to well, give you, some stuff. You know what we could even do, though, is we could break it up into two sets of spoilers. We could do mild spoilers and then, as I really do want to talk about the end of the film, we could do okay. a third a third final and final part that's like the super spoiler. Well, I, I would we say can, this. Uh, I would say anyone... I would implore anyone who has not seen the film, as hard as it may be, don't listen beyond this point until you've seen the film. Because, guys, it's going to be hard to, to dance around much more. I mean, anything beyond this point, anything beyond this point is going to diminish the power anything else in the film has. This is true. Because part of it is the element of surprise. I mean, like, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and no, we can talk about this on the other side. But just to do to do yourselves all a favor and don't listen to the rest of this until download it. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> But uh, and then delete it sit and then download it. it again when you watch it. Bill, Bill, that was a brilliant idea. I, I'm a smart man. I'm a marketing. I'm a marketing genius. Gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's what we'll do. We'll go to break. We'll come back with our mild spoiler section, and uh, we'll be back after this. Popsyndicate.com. Popsyndicate.com. Reviews of all the hottest movies, music, authors, comics, books, and more. Popsyndicate.com. Home of the Pop Syndicate message boards and the best media-related podcasts and internet radio in the world. Check it all out at www.popsyndicate.com. Popsyndicate.com. All right, guys, we're back. We're going to go into the uh, mild uh, spoiler territory. And uh, to kick off this uh, little bit of spoiler territory, and this is the lighter spoiler, so we're going to go full-blown spoiler in the last segment. I'm going to kick it over to Bill, and we're going to get started talking about this. Okay, I kind of want to pick it up where kind of where Willie left off, where he says, you know, you got your opening scenes, you know, it sets up, you know, the whole feeling, and you kind of know what you're in for in terms of feeling, because the whole opening sequence with the music and the Super 8 kind of gives you just this real dense feeling of sorrow. So picking up for the point where they're 
older after the 15, point, 15 year mark, you get this whole kind of setup with this family. And you don't know anything about them. They seem very happy. They're talking about things. Uh, and you get this kind of whole uh, setup for this family to give you an idea of kind of what's going on. And in the end, it's absolutely meaningless because about five minutes into that, uh, Anna comes busting in with a shotgun and kills everybody. Oh, and, boy, does she and, ever. <laughs> in one of the most brutal styled home invasions I've ever seen on film. Yeah, he really has a flourish uh, with uh, the shotgun blast. And we, we think Kim Ji-Woon can shoot a shoot a a gun well I mean Loger does it real well because like you said Bill it packs a wall up man. it's just brutal it's just absolutely brutal because you get the shots um, especially I think the worst one is when she she takes out the, the daughter because there's the shot where she's running away and she, she just fires off the shotgun and they show they show it from the opposite side and you see her just get laid out and it's just it's just brutal absolutely yes brutal. it is well it is bu- bu- brutal but it's also beautiful the, the stuff underneath the bed where the daughter is I think it's the daughter she's under the bed yep and she shoots through the bed and the feathers come up and it, it's like they slowed it down just a touch so you can see the feathers kind of dancing around a little bit sort of coming down like snow almost and uh and then, then of course the next shot is uh the the fatality but uh it's just it is like i can't say enough that at how how brutal it was and it wasn't the bloodiest thing i've ever seen it wasn't the most extreme thing but it was just the way it was handled with no music or anything in the background it just it just gut wrenching but then what happens after where is just silence and she's just sitting there and she's just crying Mm -hmm. and the part where she grabs the mother and she shakes the mother and just starts asking her like why did you do this to me why 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 and is just at the and this is what 15 20 minutes into the film I'd say it's probably right around 20, 25 minutes because the first 20 is pretty pretty calm compared to the last hour and 10, hour and 5. Yeah, it, and its runtime is an hour, and I think the version we watched was from the French Cut, which I want to say was 95 minutes. I think you're right. Oh yeah, 95 God. minutes. I think it was not I think it was 95 minutes because the UK cuts a couple minutes shorter. But mm-hmm. it's just and then it's just you get kind of silence and then you they bring Lucy in on the phone and it's you, you get this di- you immediately get the dynamic between them. The the two girls that were in this film I can't say h- how good a job they did. I believe uh Mojana Alou and Malina Jemponi, I believe it's pronounced. Oh, uh, Jemponois. as you can tell my French is almost as good as my English. Always go <laughs> always Always go to the French Canadian for the French. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but these, hey man, I'm not French, brother. <laughs> no offense, no offense to our listeners in Quebec, but I'm not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'll offend them. That's, that's fine. But Japonois. I was we. Anyway, uh, it's just you meet the two of them in this. I mean, not like they they would ever get nominated for any type of awards or anything, but the the way that they they handled themselves in these roles. I mean, this had to be. I mean, absolutely emotionally draining role for each of them. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, the you girl that it. plays the girl that comes in and does the shotgun blast and everything. Her scream. Got uh, got to the point where it was driving. It was like nails on a chalkboard for me. After a while, oh, you know, she get really angry and she she do that scream, and it was just oh man, it was just eating me alive after a while. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, it's just going to drive me crazy. Which I'll talk more about another type of scream here in a minute that also was like nails on a chalkboard. Oh, oh are we talking about the um the uh the creepy the creepy lady that's the foxy lady. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna actually mention that next about how about how she has the visions 
of the creepy lady. Mm-hmm. And the way it's played off in the first half of the film, well, I should say, well, in, in this section of the film, because I wouldn't necessarily say it's a half. First, yeah, first third would probably be the best way to look at it. The way it's kind of presented is you don't really know, is it in her head, is it real, exactly what's going on. But it's <laughs> it's just the, I, I, I think the only way I can, I can really put it is it's probably the best and most gut-wrenching depiction I've ever seen of mental illness on film. Because it is so extreme and to the point. And then when you find out exactly what's going on, and I mean, at this point, and we're, we're talking spoilers, we know it ends up, it's everything's in her mind. And she's mutilating herself. And it's just, it, it hits you like a ton of bricks when you find out exactly what's going on. Well, it, it really adds two layers. Uh, and let me just back to from Bill. I also want to commend both the female leads. I think they did a, a wonderful job on as emotionally draining a role as either one could have. A very brave, they're very brave performances. And it's a shame that they won't get recognized uh, outside of people like us because you won't find better, more powerful performances in films. Um, but in terms of the personification of her inner demons, it almost has two levels or, or sort of two layers. Like you, two layers. You think, okay, that's what it is. But like you said, Bill, once it goes a step further and you can see very specifically why it takes on that form uh when in a flashback then it really wallops you Mm. and you real yeah when you realize it it hits you like it just it hits you like a ton of bricks so yes it does and i I will agree with that i mean they took me a minute to realize of course you know they set it up really well that it was all inside her head it took me a minute to realize that and man that scream from that uh character uh or from that uh Sexy lady, the lady of a thousand paper cuts, as I like to call her. Oh, a little too far across the line. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, disturbing. There's a scene where she's looking up the stairs, and it's uh, this thing is coming down the stairs, and very reminiscent of the uh, cut scene of the uh, kind of contorted uh, Linda Blair from The Exorcist. Right. It's this is weird contortion, almost well, a very uh, gr- grudge-like in a way. Yeah. Well, the reason yeah. reason why. Uh, the female that that played that played the the monster, if you will, uh, Le Creature, if you will, w- woman named uh, Isabella Chassis, and her this is her first film, but she has been a performer in Cirque du Soleil since the early nineties. So oh. she was she was coming from a contortionist type background, which is mm-hmm. why the way she moved was so it looked so good because it was all it was all real. It wasn't a situation where they had a pros- prosthetic or anything like that. That was all her. Yes, well that yeah, makes it was sense. Pretty now. impressive stuff, man. Real impressive stuff. It sent a chill up my spine to hear and see here. This is after the oversaturation of the uh, the grudge type creature, the Japanese sort of long haired monster. It still sent a chill up my spine. It's different. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's much more horrific than that creature. That creature's the you know Japanese long-haired J-horror type of uh, female uh, monster or or ghost, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, was scary for like what ten minutes, and then you know you moved on from that. But this one, this one will stick with you for a while. Yeah, it it was one of the things that since I saw this film back in September, um, that absolutely stayed with me, uh, and and. Yeah, it did kind of haunt me because it was, again, the special effects on the whole, I mean, first, first, first class. Even my wife was just marveling. She was brave enough to watch with me, marveling at how good the special effects were in this film. Um, And rest in peace, Benoit Lestang, who did the special effects, committed suicide uh, after this film. I'm not implying it was because of this film, but after this film. 
Um, this was his swan song, uh, and he did a wonderful job with the special effects. Yeah, I remember uh, getting a call from you uh, after you got a tiff, and you said that there's this one chicken that's incredibly hot, and now I understand what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, There's two, man. The two leads are beautiful girls. They're very sort of oh, yeah, they are. ambiguous. Yeah. yeah, And there's actually, the, to kind of go on that point a little bit, there's actually a little bit of uh, something-something going on with one of them as far as, you know, she really has real feelings for the other. Oh, so, yeah, Lucy it, definitely has. I mean, there's no. She doesn't even try to hide it. I disagree. Oh, really? I, I completely really? disagree with you guys. Yep, and I'll tell you why. Uh, notice on the boards when him and I were pretty much like two of the only people that had seen it. He had said to me that he thought there was a lot of um, gay or uh, I guess gay statements being made in the film, and and obviously the catalyst was that kiss. And to me, and I could be wrong, but that's the beauty of a film like this is um, it's done well enough that you guys can see it your way, and I can see it my way, and I may be wrong, you may be wrong, maybe we're all right. But to me because of the the abuse they had both suffered i think it had made it very difficult for them to trust any men or to get into any sort of a sexual relationship because of the uh the potential sort of looming of, of physical violence so i think at that point it was a sign of affection it's almost like an elephant when the two boys kiss it wasn't because they were gay it was because that was the only chance they were going to have to have any sort of affection with someone and they wanted to have that tender moment before everything fell to shit you know what i mean Mm. I, I can see that angle. Uh, I can see that angle. I'm more of the angle of the, you know, that I think she really loved her and, you know, passion and maybe to comfort her. There was a kiss. Uh, you know, some some strange reason when two women kiss, I mean, some people get turned on by it. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know that that's the angle. That, that's not the angle I thought. I just thought it was kind of a real sweet, gentle moment. I could see it either way. I could see it as one falling in love with the other. Or right. that's how I just saw it. yeah, or as just a kiss of comfort. I can see it that way in retrospect. But again, I've only seen the film once. Right. I well, need the, to, well, the reason again. the reason Rick I I went with that was the part when Lucy's on the phone with her mother and her mother says, Are "You still with that girl?" and she calls her a whore. Oh yeah, yeah. So I really. Yes, but- felt that that I mean that kind of validated what I was thinking at least in my mind I mean obviously this is the type of film everyone's going to take it a different way well yeah because it's also what you bring to it and I looked at it different because to me that call meant I had a vision in my head Bill when they were saying that almost like they had lived together because they were the they were the only each other was the only person they really felt they could trust and were comfortable around with all the this sort of skeletons in their closet and the weight of the world on their shoulders that they lived together out of necessity and, and sort of loving each other as friends Right. So I didn't see that at all. I can see it your way now that you said that, but I saw it some way completely different. Well, you're wrong and I'm right, so it doesn't matter. There we go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way that works. <laughs> to put it simply. Yes. So who you want to take the uh, initiative and go a little further into the film, Bill? Do you want to go with it, or you you want me to do it? Or um, I mean, I can I can I can kind of keep going. I feel as though I've kind of hogged the spotlight for a little while. So if you want to jump in and and, and move move along, by all means, I'll just go a little bit further in uh, here. Uh, there's a great moment in the film. I love I love the uh, the movement of the bodies. Uh, a lot of horror films, you know, movement of bodies is kind of a, a background thing. I love the fact that they kind of took the time to show how difficult it would be to move these bodies to uh and to move them into a place you know she's moving them outside she's hearing all kinds of crazy screams but there's a moment in the film that literally sent chills up my spine and that was when uh, she's looking at herself in the mirror and she sees that reflection of the mother who's still alive and it does that kind of stuff always gets me somehow i don't know why uh, maybe i'm a sissy i don't know but <laughs> but you don't expect it because she's been shot in the stomach with a shotgun for you know 12 hours ago or whatever it was this really disturbed me the look on her face just really really just got to me somehow and you know i rewound it a couple times and watched it over 
over and over and over again because I could feel that you know sensation of uh, chills running up and down my spine. You know, I don't get that a lot. I watch a lot of genre movies, so I don't get a nice good chill. Or, you know, every now and then. So it's really nice to have a director who's kind of you know uh, manipulating me that way. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of great moments with the. I, I love the uh, the excessive rain. I love all that. Again, we get some more screaming. The scene in the bathroom with the uh, we can call. I, I think really the what you can call her is she's almost like a ghoul. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's yeah. kind of it's kind of like, it's almost like reverse photography the way she kind of moves on the ground and mm-hmm. and some of yeah. that stuff. Oh, it's just it was really really just kind of a bone jarring moment. Some of those moments. I mean, this really really got to me. Now I really just want to kick to the next. I'm kind of kicking forward ahead a little bit here, but, you know, we're not going to do a real long show here. So, but uh, then you get a scene that's... can only be described as and i laugh but that's just the way i handle these kind of things as incredibly brutal and i mean that honestly it involves a hammer oh the, yeah Ooh, yeah it involves a hammer and it, the one thing i can say about this film that i really enjoyed quote unquote uh was the fact that the violence felt like what violence would be like in real life it wasn't very much hollywood violence or movie violence i mean if you're going to hit somebody over the head with a hammer uh, you're probably going to keep hitting them because it's either one a crime of passion or pure anger i mean if you're going to go with somebody with a hammer you got to be pretty pissed off and uh wow uh, there's some serious damage done with a hammer and yeah. i was wincing i was wincing because well, it was, was getting it was nasty. all blind rage too because she throws lucy just like tosses lucy and we we know that the two of them have this close connection but she's so enraged that she just tosses lucy and just goes to town yeah it, it was i i kept thinking of the fire extinguisher scene in gaspar noe's irreversible Oh yeah. Again, I laugh. I mean, I'm not. I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. No, but I I laugh because yeah, I laugh because that's the way I handle that kind of brutality. Because I'm just like, what the fuck, you know? And I even got that in my notes. I got what the fuck. I got that a lot in my notes actually. Well, Uh, you know, it could have been inspired by that because one of the producers, uh, Richard uh, Grandpierre, who I mean, if you look at the the producers for Martyrs, there's like five different people listed. There's three people listed as executive producers, but he's listed as one of the actual producers. He it's kind of almost like was kind of perfect guy to kind of get on this because he obviously he did Myers he also was one of the producers on Ilse uh, or them oh yeah uh, he was one of the co-producers on Irreversible. He was one of the producers on Brotherhood of the Wolf. So he definitely kind of knew, he knew what was going on. So I think he, uh, there was a lot of times I think that they might have fallen back on some of the stuff that he's worked with, you know, previous. Right, yeah. We we talked about uh, Pascal Lager and some other people before with the Brotherhood of the Wolf. I guess a few people were probably worked on that film and came over. Yeah, this <laughs> interesting tidbit. And go ahead, Bill, I'm sorry. It's okay. No, I was just going to say, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's four different people listed as producers for Martyrs. And uh, Simone Trottier was the other one, but he he wasn't so much of a horror guy. So I think they had a mix of different people. And I think these other two guys, uh, Marcel Giro and uh, Frederic Donquian, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> but I think they were kind uh, of. Like, I, if I could find it, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll take that bill and I'll take it with a side of onion rings. All right then, your numbers your numbers eighty nine, um, and uh, we'll call you in five to ten minutes. <laughs> hey, before we before we jump forward, one thing I want to say that I thought was a brilliant piece of foreshadowing um, in the film is um, when we jump to the family sort of doing their domestic thing at the house on a Sunday morning and the mother's outside she's excavating because they have a little water pressure so she's dug down and, and she's opened up uh, her drain line or her water line and so on and so forth um, you can see she pulls the mouse out 
of the drain line. Yes. And uh, sorry, it was real quiet there, guys. Uh, she pulls the mouse out, and I guess it was quiet because I was talking probably. <laughs> uh, she pulls the mouse. Yes, exactly. Uh, but the mouse gets pulled out, and she brings it into the kitchen, and she's very just laissez-faire to use a French term. She just didn't care about the mouse, and I, I thought that was interesting because I thought to myself, I know why Lucy's going here. Um, this woman shows, you know, most women, if we're going to paint with a broad brush, would be grossed out by that or squeamish by that. And she wasn't the least bit squeamish. No, not at all. No. Right? So I'm thinking, hmm, maybe there's more to Lucy's assumption than we initially think because you're kind of wondering, is Lucy crazy? Is she so blinded by her rage that she just wants something tangible to to, to hurt or to lash out at or get in revenge on? Yeah, and then the right. and then yeah, where we head next with the major spoilers, you kind of get a little bit of an answer. Anyway, I think you get a little bit of an answer. I mean, no, you do. You definitely do. Yeah, no need yeah. to have a. Uh, well, I'll just wait and say what I'm going to say when we go to the when we go to break when we come back. <laughs> I, I would say we're, we're probably there. Would you guys say? Well, you figure. I was going to say, you figure when you get to the end of this section of the film, after uh, Anna's killed the family, Lucy's come in, it kind of gets tied up with. Um, should we spoil this little part right here, you think, since it's kind of the end of the section? We're talking about it anyway, so it really probably doesn't matter, does it? Mm, I don't think it does. I mean, okay. well, you kind of, I mean, yeah, you it's not a major spoiler, so... No, it's but it's it's the turning point of the film. So you get to the point where Anna is so consumed with her demons, and you get the point to see where Lucy is watching, and you see it from Lucy's point of view, and there's no one there, and then you see it from Anna's point of view, and the, the demon's on top of her. And essentially, this is the end of the first act of the film and the end of Anna being part of the film. And then at that point, you kind of get a little middle section of everything is kind of up in the air. You're not really sure what's happening because you didn't expect to lose one of your two main characters a third of the way into the film. So it gets you kind of up and down and then you hit the next section of the film, which I'm, which I think we, we can go into uh, after the break. Yes. Yeah, let me add, there's some ser- serious brutality in that uh, self-inflicted wounds. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that stuff. She, she uses a straight razor a lot. Ouch. And those, those wounds, I mean, really you are going to cringe. I mean, when you see this, the, the after effect and just the, the, uh, the act itself uh, down the arms and so forth, really rough stuff. Really. All right, so we'll go ahead and take a one last break here. Come back, and we're going to spoil the shit out of this thing. So <laughs> like if you don't, we haven't already. <laughs> yeah, we spoil. Well, it's like it is like a film in three chunks. So uh, you know, it's kind of fitting that we're doing it this way. But yeah, then we get the the whole back half of this film, which is something to behold. So we're going to go to break real quick, and when we come back, we'll uh, we'll go over the end of this film or the toward the end of this film anyway. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> What's up, kiddies? You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, the only show crazy enough to tackle the Brian Bosworth classic Stone Cold. All right, so we are back from the last break, and now we're going to head into major spoiler territory for the film Martyrs. Uh, I don't know who wants to kick this off. I'll let one of you guys kick it off and uh, get going on the back half or the back third of this film. Uh, which one of you guys want to pony up and do it? Want to do paper, rock, scissor uh, over it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got rock. Uh, what I had, I don't know, this is so unfair, Bill. Do you want to do it or do you want me to? It really doesn't matter. If you want to go for it, go for it by all means. Okay, let me try and get everything out of the way now so I can touch up. 
Okay, so as we've obviously said, and if you're still listening, then this film's going to be really spoiled for you, so you get what you deserve. Um, what we get now is, up until this point, um, we've been kind of on the fence as to whether Lucy has been just sort of consumed blindly by rage and her desire for revenge, or if there's any legitimacy or validity to her killing this family. If I, wait, um, if I got the name backwards, I thought Anna, I've been saying it backwards the whole time, Lucy's the crazy one and Anna's the victim. I, realize, I just realized uh, that I've been saying it backwards the entire time. I hadn't noticed. Oh, fair enough. Uh, I didn't notice either, but you know what? They're kind of one and the same in a lot of ways, so I can see where you get uh, confused. I seriously can. Yeah, it's not good, man. It's not a big deal. But yeah, I mean, we, we see now uh, something happens. It's, it's a very Italian convention, and in fact, if you watch the end of this film in the credits, um, Pascal Logé dedicated this film to one of mine and Bill's cinematic favorites, Rick. <laughs> that uh, one being Dario Argento. Stick it up your ass. <laughs> Tell Pascal that. I dare you. Go for it. Pascal, you bastard. I still don't understand how how you just you dislike Argento so much. I just Four Flies of Grey Velvet is amazing. It's for it's for another show, but yes. he just disappoints yes. me. Let's put it that way. Yes, I, I would say what what Rick's looking for isn't what um, Argento does. But anyway, Rick yeah, is we'll a close-minded prick. <laughs> Uh, there, I said it. I said it. We get we get sort of an Italian kind of uh, what is it? Seven Notes in Black or Deep Red, it, like a lot of these Italian films, where you get the reveal behind a wall sort of thing that happens, and uh, we see that there's um, a chamber and. Um, and it descends into this chamber. And uh, when she gets down there, she starts to see some pictures. It's very surgical, very cold-looking. And uh, she she gets down there, and she gets in this dark room, and there's a chain on the ground. And this part was so well done. It just had just the right amount of lighting. And it, it, another part that just kind of sent a chill on my spine, got my heart pounding. She, you see that chain, and the chain starts moving, and her flashlight's going up, up, up with the chain. And it's like you want it to get to the end of that chain, but you don't. Yes. You know, it's just a wonderful, wonderful moment of suspense. And when she gets there, and you see that this girl has this sort of steel band on her head and sort of or whatever it is, metal or whatever, uh, and this sort of metal chastity belt on her. And it's just, I mean, again, the effects that so many cuts on her and sort of this barbed wire wrapped around her waist and she's emaciated and her skin is this sort of sickly kind of yellow gray it, it just oh it was so 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 awful um you know to the point when she gets this girl upstairs and uh, she puts her in the bathtub and the girl starts completely losing it because she's been so deprived of her senses and any sensory stimulation for so long the only thing she knows is pain that she just wigs out completely and that's something that really bothered me about the film yeah i mean it just was so heartbreaking you know I, i'm sure you guys are saying when i watch the film if it's good enough i can really get into it and things start to really wallop me emotionally if it's sitting on all cylinders yes and, I agree. and that was a moment where i just felt so awful for this this girl man it just fuck like she's just ruined and you think you're th- i'm thinking to myself you know what even if she gets out she's done man she's so far gone there's no coming back i mean she's beyond feral child man like there's no getting this one back so uh it was just an awful awful scene i don't know if you guys wanted to comment on on that little segment or if i can keep going here or um i don't well, know there's not a whole i don't have a whole lot more to say about it i think you hit it right on the head yeah i'll only say that i really enjoyed the uh, build-up to that especially when she's kind of creeping past the photos or the posters so to speak on the wall very very chilling shit very actually ch- to add one other little quick thing i know i just said i wasn't gonna say anything but uh okay. the most frightening sound in the entire film is introduced in this scene it's the sound of that metal ladder dropping down yes over and over and over 
Yes, yeah. I because you know like... it becomes almost Pavlovian. You know, you know what's going to happen now. You become it's sort of instinctual uh, what to expect when you hear that like that metal kind of coming down and hitting the bottom. Um, it's it's funny that you know someone who who's so skilled at this sort of thing. Um, can convey that with something as, as uh, seemingly harmless as a ladder. It's like a chainsaw before TCM. Who would have thought it? Now, I can promise you whenever us, us horror fans, or anyone who has any familiarity with film, here's a chainsaw. That's the first thing I think of is Leatherface, man. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, not, not to say when I hear a ladder from now, I'm going to think of this, but it, it had that power. Or, impact. or Yeah, or even more, uh, you know, for a film that isn't considered maybe a masterpiece, but even more so, you know, whenever you see a hockey mask, you don't, I don't think, well, I know here in the States, not for me anyway, down here, I don't automatically think of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm up there honest, where Bill's at. Well, no, I'm going to be honest. Every time I see a hockey mask, I think of Jerry Cheevers. Then I think. Of, <laughs> then I think of. Then I. Or then I think of, Well, Cheevers had that sick one when he had. Every time he got the stitches, he would he would make a notch yeah. in the mask. So. That was a badass mask, man. Yeah. That's another think, time for another podcast. Though. Yeah, we need to do a cool goalie mask podcast sometime, man. <laughs> Didn't Jerry Cheevers also have the, the... I can't bring anything to a goalie mask podcast. <laughs> sadly, other than Jason, but that's okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, but okay, I'll jump I'll jump off that. But one thing, though, didn't Jerry Cheevers have the cat mask, too? Like a mountain lion or something? or Something Which, like that, yeah. But he's best known for the stitch, for the stitch mask. Yeah, okay, I'll move past that. Um, but, uh, so, okay, that all happens. That's fine. That's nice. But one of the things that really stuck with me, and if you don't cringe at this, man, you're, you know, you're a replicant. It's just unbelievable when she pulls those rivets out of her head. Oh. I mean, that, that is just one of the roughest things I've ever seen in a film. All that whole sequence that I, I very rarely get to the point where I have to, like, wince and look away. When she started pull, pulling that, that headpiece off, oh, I lost it. Yeah. I will agree. And, and Will, me and you talked about this, that, uh, you know, I'd seen pictures in magazines and things. I hadn't read any articles about martyrs, but I'd seen pictures in magazines and stuff, and I remember my genre mind was working and playing games with me and I'm like okay so I've seen this creature without this uh, metal or steel I should say kind of mask on uh, how does that come off and I started putting two and two together I'm like ooh I bet that's not going to come off easy <laughs> <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I was right I was right you absolutely were man it was just awful stuff again um, go, to the, go to the sound effects for that think about those sound effects it'll send chills up your spine and and think of to even take it a step further that they took the, the attention to detail on every level is fantastic in this film but think of the fact that her blood it was just sort of this dark almost black color because it's, it's just you know she's been like sort of surviving on this sort of pea soup gruel mix and no light and everything else and her blood's just kind of changed color almost. I thought it was another horrific aspect to it. No nutrients in it probably. Yeah. Oh exactly. Exactly. Um Yeah, you know, I don't even want to I don't even want to really know what the hell that was they were eating. It was making me sick. It's probably just a yeah, and, protein paste or something like that. Yeah. It, disgusting. And and you talk about the sound design when that spoon was jammed in there and you could hear it on the teeth. Oof. Uh-huh. It was a rough, rough noise, boy. It just again, just the little details, uh, very impressive. Um, so, okay, so this chick's running around, she's wigging out. We get the old uh, the SWAT team. <laughs> 
comes in and uh, and basically puts one in her forehead. And for an instant, I don't know if you guys thought this, but for a split, split, split second, I think Loger's intention was for you to think, okay, it's the cops. We're safe, but we're not safe at all. I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Because I, I didn't expect it. I didn't think anything other than like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. And at that moment, because everything, this is the part of the film that I think really, really, really packs the most wallop is, well, I shouldn't say that. There's so many moments in this film. <laughs> uh, you know more than any other film I've ever seen. You know, you get those moments in films where something happens, like like in Predator 2 when Danny Glover, he's on the ship and they all come down. And you're like, oh, he's so fucked. He's so fucked. When they come and they take her downstairs, you're saying to yourself, Anna is so fucked. There's no negotiating here. There's no dealing with them. She's done. That's it. And you care about her now and you love her and you have so much compassion for her because you've seen what these people can do through the long-term effects from her friend that got away and from this broad, she just pulled the rivets out of her head and black blood came out. I mean, you were just, you feel so horrible for her. Yes. You know, it just uh, really well, well, well done. But there's also that level of uncertainty. It's like, you know something bad's going to happen to her, but you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you, you know it's not going to end well. Yeah. You just know she's in trouble. She's in big trouble. And especially when you see that chair again, like I said, that inanimate object that, that Loger brings so much tension to or, or dread. This inanimate object with the chair with the hole in it. I think, oh my God, we've seen that. We know how this is going to go. And, you know. You can you can see when you know she pees in the bucket and stuff, and that's the thing that's so well done. A lot of people that criticize this film criticize this part as being very redundant, but I think they're missing the point here. I think once we get into this, it's a systematic, methodical torturing and breaking down of Anna's identity, her emotional being, her physical well-being, her femininity. When they shave off her hair, it takes and strips away everything bare from her. And that's the intent. It's not this redundant torture idiocy that, that people are sort of missing the point on, I think. Right. And if actually, I'm, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to jump in here for a minute. Uh, one of the things I mentioned, I briefly talked about Martyrs on this week's episode outside the cinema, but I knew we were going to do this, so I didn't get into it too deeply. But I definitely got caught up in the repetitiveness of the the torture sequence which is essentially the part we're at now in the film where you know the guy the girl comes in feeds her she doesn't eat slaps her around feeds her the guy comes in beats the shit out of her and it goes on like this for a good oh what 20 25 minutes or so almost to the end of the film and then something else happens which we'll get into momentarily i'm sure and you get to that stage and all of a sudden you the last 20 minutes hit you like a ton of bricks in terms of what was happening. Yeah, yeah, it really, really wallops you because at this point it's very episodic and you look at Anna, she was a beautiful woman. Uh, you look at the point now she's got a shaved head. Everything on her face is broken, bruised, swollen, cracked. Um, it's just, she's such a mess. And to the, the thing that really hit me, again, it's a little t- detail, but the thing that emotionally really pulled at me was when she touches her own face with her hand. Um, yeah. Oh God, that really hurt her. It really hit me because it's like this poor woman, this poor girl is never going to feel the touch of tenderness or love again. And she, this is the only reasonable facsimile she has um, to that. And it just really, really was a powerful moment for me in the film. Yeah, uh, the only thing I really have to add to that is this is that film that, you know, when you're watching somebody take a beating like this, uh, her face is progressively getting more and more swollen. Just when you think the beating can't get any worse, it just goes that much further. And, uh, Will, I don't mean you talked about the one moment that uh, I was just, like, stunned that they put in there where she's basically out, and yet uh, the man picks her up and just proceeds to fucking clock her one more time. As she's going down, yeah. Oh, God, it was fucking awful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it, it really really was um i don't have much more to say until the 
probably the last 10 minutes of the film, um, I just think, you know, again, this film is so tinged with, not tinged, steeped in sadness. And uh, just the whole thing was very, very sad to me, very powerful. So I'll, I'll leave. I have about maybe one or two more comments. So I'll let you guys say what you got to say. All right, Bill, go ahead. Well, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to say about this section of the film other than it is absolutely brutal and it just pulls your heartstrings so much because they make sure that they still just present her as this helpless being that just is just basically just fucked by the circumstances there's nothing that she can do to better herself there's no way that she can get out of this she's accepted the fact that you know she's not getting out of this she's not even trying you know after the first couple times you know she comes in she's eating the food she's taking the beatings and it's just you get to the point where you're like how can this get any worse and then it does yes Yes, uh, i will say this is what we talked about in the very beginning this is where you get your this is where you're going to get your hostile comparison Mm -hmm. and your torture porn comparison and all these things and uh this is so much not torture porn this is not that you know and i'm one of those guys that hate that word i I hate the words torture porn i hate that it became a genre uh because i never really thought of it as that before it never really i mean i've seen awful stuff in many 70s movies i don't know why that wasn't considered torture porn Uh, i've seen cannibal holocaust that's pretty torturous shit if you ask me ilsa she wolf of the ss is the same thing or you know oh yeah yeah, absolutely ilsa the ilsa movies are absolutely but no one had thought of it that was the thing yeah, that was yeah. just a buzzword. Yeah. You weren't even you weren't even allowed back then to really use the word porn in the press, I think. Nowadays, you know, porn's everywhere. <laughs> including on William's uh, DVD shelf. Anyway, <laughs> to uh, no, this is where you're going to get those comparisons. And if you hate that genre, all I can implore you to do is stick with it. Stick with it to the end uh, because it's so much more than your basic torture porn film. So that's all I want to really add to this section of the film. I think I'm going to get into that a little bit more on the tail end. I'll, I'll probably go on a rant about when people watch this movie, so I'll hold off a bit. Well, you can go ahead because I really don't have anything else to add, and we can go ahead and jump into the end of this film. No, I think, yeah, I think I want to discuss it after we're done discussing the end of it. Oh, okay. I think it'll fit better. All right. So who wants to kick into the ending? Uh, Why don't you, Rick? I feel like me, Willie and I have done the majority of the talking. <laughs> well, yeah. well, you know, I kind of feel like the moderator, you know, so, you know, I was, I was trying to be the nice guy, but I guess I can kick into the end of the film. Uh, yes. So we have this, uh, you know, after these 20, 25 minutes of uh, brutality, we think, okay, well, it, it can't, as you said earlier, it can't get much worse than what I've just seen. I mean, it really just can't get much worse. Uh, but then uh, it gets uh, a whole lot worse. Uh, with a scene, and I'm just going to go ahead and spoil this now, a scene involving a, well, at first when it first happened, when they put her in this contraption, you know, I thought it was one of those things like you see in like a comedy. Somebody gets in and go, whoa, whoa, we're going round and around, <laughs> you know, and uh, but then they put her in this thing. They they cut her clothes off. Uh, you know, they've already cut her hair and, you know, her face is puffy from the amount of beating she's taken. Uh, and then they, they don't really show it, but they imply that something's happening. And then they, they kind of wheel her around. Off, the, off that table, and she's got a she got a sheet over her. Uh, they kind of hold, uh, pin her up in these in these uh, kind of shackles, this kind of uh, brace thing. Then they take that uh, sheet off, and you're kind of your mouth kind of hits the floor. Oh yeah, because you you just realize that somebody has been basically skinned alive. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the moment in the theater, guys. Everyone gasped. It was a collective gasp. Oh man, at that moment, I a- absolutely loved though that he. Um, Pascal was able to kind of he showed you so much through the film and the brutality and then he shows this this masterful restraint at this part Eli Roth or one of those guys would show you the skinning this guy knew enough he pulled back and he showed this level of restraint that most filmmakers don't have 
I mean, he's gone so far already, and then he pulls it back. And that way, when they do that reveal of when they put her up and they remove the sheet, it is you just gasp because you didn't see what was actually happening. So you're going through your mind. I know I was going through my mind. I'm like, what are they doing? Are they are they implanting her with something or what's going on? And then you're like, oh shit! If you had seen it happen, that moment wouldn't wouldn't even have been anywhere near as effective as it was. Yeah. Right. I think that uh, if it had been Eli Roth, you'd have seen skin being removed, like somebody removing carpet from a house. <laughs> yeah. That's what you would have saw, and you'd have been like, oh, that's gross, but it would have lost all of its power because you just would have been like, oh, it's gross, and that's it. It'd be over, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, the, fa- well, the fact uh, that you don't see it, it gives it soul. Uh, absolutely, and that's the thing. This film has so much soul to it, and that's the, again, it, this is not an exploitation. It's not done to titillate you here. That's why we don't see it. That's, the, the, again, the brilliant direction and the uh, restraint that Loger shows. Like you said, Bill, it's just a guy that's way ahead of his, his experience in terms of filmmaking. Yeah, pretty impressive. Yes. We're not all uh, fart jokes and, uh, and uh, boobs over on our show. <laughs> At least not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're not all fart jokes, but I can tell you one thing. We are all boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and cock. Watching that CD, that CD. Yeah, that CD. Remember that. We're the boobs. They might be Sylvester Stallone's boobs, but we're boobs. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, now the film takes on a whole new meaning. And this is what I meant by maybe me only seeing it once and you guys seeing it twice. Mm. This might be where you guys can enlighten not only the people that are actually going to listen to this without seeing the film first or listen to it afterwards, but maybe even enlighten me a little bit on what uh, your take back into this film is. I think I can run with this a little bit if you don't mind, Will. Absolutely. Bill, by all means do so. Um, We kind of skirted over the part just prior to the imprisonment of Anna of when she has the conversation with the old woman that explains the idea of of martyrs and obviously where the film came from and she shows her all the pictures and all these things and she's looking at her eyes looking at her eyes look at their eyes and it's kind of almost based on a religious a religious thing of you know obviously anyone that knows the definition of a martyr uh knows that it's equated to religion and dating as far back as you know jesus christ and back uh we kind of skirted over it, but that's at the time when i watched it i, I kind of just listened to what she was saying it was just like okay whatever and then there's the point where they're still continuing to feed her and the woman goes down to feed her and she screams to the guy oh come down here come down here it's like i have something i've never seen before and this is where the actual martyrs comes into play and it it hit me like i've said it, i've gotten hit with a ton of bricks probably 20 times in this episode but when i say that this laid me out it it was it doesn't even begin to explain how deeply affected i was by the idea of what they had actually done and it was almost like i almost understood where everything was coming from at that point it becomes a religious thing and i think it was i want to say the guys over at mondo movie equated this to the passion of the christ where it kind of makes this 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 180 switch from this ultra violence to a spiritual thing and i know that that sounds strange because of the level of violence and the level of brutality but it makes so much sense and they do this unbelievable shot that is one of the most breathtaking things I've ever seen put to film where they zoom in on her eye and go into her eye and it's almost like she's seeing the face of God now take that with a grain of salt and I'm, Willie may have taken this a different way than I did and Rick may have taken it a different way but it's this this feeling of she's okay despite everything she's been through that they were able to achieve this level of you know consciousness that that she's gonna be all right, and I, I I was as bummed as I was and as sad as I was because it's like we said it's just a the film is just a bummer. I took away the fact that you know maybe there is something more 
to this. And I mean, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, as I'm not a religious person by any stretch of the imagination, but it just, it gave me this feeling of, I understand why all of this happened. I don't agree with the, what these people have done the way, the way it's been gone about, but I understand what they're doing. Okay. I just got real deep on you. I'm sorry. No, no. Hey man, that's, listen, it's that kind of movie, Bill. I wouldn't want it any other way. And I don't think uh, Rick would either. Oh. And if I haven't seen a movie that's affected me like this deeply since probably Irreversible, and this affected me in a, in a different way. Yeah, that's a pretty good comparison, though. If the Irreversible, I had kind of the same feeling the first time I saw Irreversible. I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? And I, I had to watch it again, and it's kind of stuck with me over and over and over again. And this film, is, like I said earlier, this is going to be one of those films that I'm going to watch. As brutal as it might be, I'm going to watch it over and over and over again because there's something deeper going on here. And I think you really hit it right on the head with the, uh, to me, that's what I got. Now, I've only seen it once, but that's what I got. I got this feeling of maybe, you know, there's this euphoric afterlife. I'm not a religious guy at all. I mean, not even close. But my religious football. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. My Kentucky. My religion. <laughs> my religion is podcasting. Anyway, uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, I got that feeling, too. I got the feeling that, you know, at least after all of this awfulness and terrible things that we as human beings can inflict upon each other, at least there's something on the other side that will take all that away and kind of caress her like a, uh, you know, like a, like, it's like laying in, like, I don't know what she's laying in there at the end. I don't know what that is. I guess some kind it, of... It, I, to keep her from uh, getting infections and stuff, I would imagine. Yeah, it looked like some kind of gel or some kind of salve yeah. or something like that. Or, or so, But I was thinking, you know, maybe it's just like this really soft gentle thing like kind of like when you hear people say they've seen the other side you know the bright light or you know they or the thing you hear maybe when you're a child that heaven is in the clouds and things like that i mean you get these kind of weird images and things but that's what i got from it too a lot what bill took from it was that even through all of the terribleness and the bummer that is this movie there's still hope so that's kind of what i took away from it wow uh, i didn't quite see it that way i'm glad you guys did because again it's that kind of film that as as obvious now as it <clears throat> as I could see where you would you would think that I didn't take it quite to that level. It's like I took it to the second step and then I left it. You guys took it to the third step. Um, I told Bill and I think I told maybe I told you as well, Sammy, that I was of sort of two minds on this. Um, the first one is that when when uh, Anna whispers to Mademoiselle what she's seen, um, I almost wondered if because at the end Mademoiselle kills herself uh, again at this point. <laughs> It's all fair game to be spoiled. Yep. So I wonder to myself, now, is she so consumed with grief uh, because now she knows there is an afterlife? This has been confirmed. I mean, this is undeniable. Now, she it's only to hear it. It's another thing to see it now, um, you know, sort of from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And was she so consumed with grief that uh, all the terrible things she's done, that there's no atoning for them, so she took her own life? Uh, was it that, um, you know, upon doing this, uh, she'd hoped to get there sooner? Was it that uh, Anna told her there's nothing else, and now she realizes that her work is all is all for naught all these years? Yeah, because she says the word doubt. Yes. So that, yes. that does so, add I mean, a, that does add a different angle to it when you really think about the word doubt. Yeah. So I mean, I just don't know where I stand on the ending, and I'm fine with that because again, it's it's a great work of art. Um, and it's something I'm going to, I may be at different junctures in my life. I'll, I'll, I'll look at it differently, but I think it's a brilliant way, the way you guys had put it. Um, and I know that Pascal Loger has made no secret of the fact that he was going through a difficult time in his life. When he made this film, he was in a lot of dark places emotionally. So I think maybe that, that may have been his message um, that, you know, no matter how awful, awful, awful things are, that there is at some point, you know, some sort of a light or, you know, at some point. As deep and as far away as it may seem, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's one of those films. I think for till the end of time, we can we can debate over. Right, right. I agree with that. Yeah. 
So, is that, that it for Martyrs? Are we done talking about it? I just want to, uh, if I may, get on a little bit of a tangent and uh, step upon my soapbox for a moment. <laughs> we never we, we never gave it a rating. We never gave it a rating or anything. Are we going to rate this or are we just going to talk about yes. it and just say... We can rate okay, it if we'll, you want, yeah. Yeah, we're not going to do the MVT. Yeah, we don't have to do the MVT in the... We want to do the MVT in the make or break? I wrote it down. I don't know if you guys didn't. We don't have to, but... No, if you wrote it down, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll bang through it real quick. Okay. All right, knock it out. We'll go ahead and... Uh, Let's let's kick it to the guest first. Let him give his make or break MVT. Uh, make or break. I would say, um, you know, there's a couple of different spots, but I would say the moment that Anna walks into, uh, walks through the doorway into the, you know, the secret passageway. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily the most jarring moment or the most exciting moment of the film. But it's actually a very small part of it, but it makes this great transition from the first half of the, you know, revenge. Because essentially the first half of the film, first 40 minutes or so, is it's a revenge film. And yeah, a brutal yeah. revenge film. Yeah. yeah, and it makes this transition to what it becomes in the second half, which is uh, a brutal film. Uh, of torture and redemption or however you want to look at it. I mean, I don't know if redemption would be the right word, but I, so, I mean, I think without that scene, the whole film falls apart and it's just a small, it's just a small scene. Um, and as far as an MVT, you know, I'm hard pressed to, to, to put my finger on, on one particular thing, but I, I, I have to say the writing and, uh, Pascal Loger's direction in this film, everyone that was involved with any type of stories, storyboarding or any of that stuff, uh, deserve some type of special award for what they were able to accomplish with this. It, it's it's the type of thing where not very many people could have made this film, and the crew that he was working with and the people that he was involved that were you know part of this, uh, everybody did their part to make this the, the amazing piece of of work that it is, and you know that's kind of what it is. So. And your score out of ten. Here comes the moment of truth. Um, <laughs> I come from the school of of F13 where in my mind there's very few perfect films out there. Uh in terms of horror genre of the horror genre or you know the underground genre this is is probably as close as I have ever seen. I would give it a 9. Point, like a 9.8. It's wow. I refuse to give it a 10 uh but this this is uh it's as close as you could possibly get. If it was a score on a test it'd be like a 98 or a 99. It's uh nice. it's that it's and it's there's more to it than just you know because it's not a horror film it's not a drama it's not a thriller it's a combination of all these different things and then where you start and where you end up are just you know you know 180 degrees away from each other and to be able to make it work the way that it works is it just it's there's no way there's no way to I I don't even know how to put it to words to explain how it came about and how it came together but fuck it was good. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and it's, right, it's, uh, it's it's hard to say that too because it is not the type of film that you want to be like oh yeah I loved it it was so great it was like because it was a f- <laughs> fucking bummer and it's punishing it just yeah I just felt brutally beat down after watching it the first time Chris came over because we recorded we recorded right after I watched it or not right after but he came over and he's I'm like he looked at me and I go I watched Martyrs and he goes oh I can I can see it in your face. <laughs> And and he was dead serious too. He's like, I I can I can see it. So that's yeah. yeah uh, it's, it's it's as close to perfect as I would ever give. I think. Yeah, I, I had that same face when I watched Martin Lawrence's Black Knight. Oh, <laughs> a little too far across the line. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> 
All right, who wants to go next? You want to go next, Will? You want me to go? Uh, whatever you want. Whatever you- yeah, I'll knock it out real quick. I'll go with my stuff. I'm going to go with my MVT is definitely Pascal Lager. This film oozes style, oozes uh, a, a, a vision, and uh, this director is one to watch. If, in fact, he does end up directing the Hellraiser remake, I am very excited about that. Uh, uh, remakes are always more interesting when they put talent behind the camera, so I'm hoping that uh, you know they really let him go full bore because, uh, I believe it or not, I think this guy could even go further if, we, if uh, somebody let him. He's definitely so. doing Hellraiser. There was a press release today, March 10th, with an interview nice. with him saying that it is a reboot. Oh, nice. So mixing nice. elements from both fir- from both of the first two films. And the book, I think, uh, The Hellbound Heart. Yep. Is, yep. Should be should be good. Uh, it's going to be hard. to. I, I like the original Hellraiser a lot, so it's going to be hard to top that. But I think we'll he see. will top it. I'll, I'll, go, I'll say it right now. And also, just so you know, he turned down the sequel to The Strangers to direct uh, to direct Hellraiser. That's a that's a wise move. That is a wise move. And he also, sadly, uh, this is this is pretty sad. There already uh, Martyrs has already been optioned for an American remake. Of course it has. Of course yeah. it has. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever get made, though. Not like this. You can't. I mean, you can't. I'll uh, so say that. Yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead and say my make or break scene is. Uh, I love the uh, the opening as well, but I really love. Uh, the moment in the bathroom that I was talking about with the kind of almost reverse photography. It, it seemed like, anyway, this this ghoul of a woman that you see. Uh, oh, man, it's just fucking terrifying shit, man. And, uh, I mean, I was biting my nails, you know. Uh, that's usually the sign that I'm kind of nervous because I didn't know what was going to happen. So it's set up really well. It's shot really well. And it's really just generally very terrifying. So uh, I, that's really what's stuck with me right now is that her laying on the uh, ground next to that bathtub really just fucked up shit man so mm-hmm. <laughs> congratulations Mr. Lager. <laughs> yeah no you won't forget it yeah you won't forget it i had i had dreams about it last night and i don't have nightmares anymore uh unless you consider Wet somebody dreams. taking away my mcdonald's yeah somebody takes my mcdonald's away i get upset <laughs> but other than that <laughs> you're such an asshole <laughs> <laughs> thanks Anytime. but uh, yeah that, that, that would be my make or break but uh I'm going to go ahead with my score, and this is actually a very high score for me, but it's not quite as high as Bill's, and I know it's not going to be high as Mr. William, but uh, I will say that I would give this a 9.25. I would even go a little higher than I did with The Good, The Bad, The Weird, which is a 9 I gave on the show. But, uh, yeah, this is definitely a 9.25. This is a must-see. Uh, if you guys have gotten this far without seeing it, and and if you're one of those fans, because some people don't care about spoilers. I'm, I'm one of those guys, but some people, you know, really, I understand. Either way, that's why we did it either way, and we warned you. It depends on the movie. Uh, yeah, if, if you really want to still see it, and trust me, I'm telling you you really want to see this uh even if you listen to it and you you think we you know we spoiled it and stuff there's still so many layers to the film i think uh-huh. that you still should always see it because i think you can i think everybody can get a little something different from the show or from this film and i hope that we have a you know once it gets out and get a little bit more mass consumption of it i hope that we can get a nice thread started on the boards and stuff and really kind of dig into what other people interpret this film as yeah yeah that's uh that's true okay my make or break i, I seems to be a thing with me i tend to if a film starts off a certain way and and really illustrates to me very clearly what it's what it's going to be i, I like that and so my make or break is the first two minutes when you hear the the bare feet of this child pounding on the pave frantically she, she's got dry blood caked on her soiled underwear and just the fear in her, her screaming uh really really wow i mean and then it's just kind of like the screen goes black and it says martyrs and it's like all right you know buckle up here we go um so that's my make or break. Um, my MVT, it, it very clearly, you know, I want to say, like I said on my, uh, when we reviewed the, uh, the Good, the Bad, the Weird, when you get a film of this magnitude and this caliber, it takes a Herculean effort from everyone involved. So um, everyone involved should, from the small, from the, you know, the guy that catered it right on up to, to the suits. I mean, everyone for having the faith in, in Loger's vision, for Loger to have the vision. 
everyone involved deserves credit. Um, to me, the thing that really turns the wheel a little bit more, though, or stirs the drink, is the two lead performances. I think if they were not as raw and true emotionally as they were, this would not be as powerful a film as it is. Um, so for them to leave themselves bare like that um, took a lot to do. And, and they were able to do it and make this film that much more harrowing and powerful. So I'm going to give it to the two female leads, uh, Mylene Champenois and... Um, uh, more is it Morjana Aloui? I believe her name is. Um, like I said, despite it could have been anyone or everyone involved. Uh, my score, as I mentioned before, it was the ten out of ten the first time I saw it, so I'm going to stick with that. Would I grade it a little differently? I'm admitted. Yeah, I would. I'd probably give it closer to a 9.5 or something, but I don't think that's fair to the film because I knew the way everything was going to unfold. Um, I am going to stick with my 10 because I, I think loving film as much as I do, you want it to um, impact you a certain way, and nothing I've ever seen has impacted me this way. So uh, I'll stick with my 10 out of 10 and say it is as perfect a film as you can get. Nice. Impressive. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. There we go. We're talking about martyrs. We got it out there. So. I just want to add uh, really quickly, as people watch this film, don't be a fucking asshole. I know it sounds silly, but seriously, this film deserves so much more than Johnny Hara jerk-off jumping on the Fangoria forums or jumping on IMDb and not understanding what this film is. It, this film is so much more than just uh, a torture porn horror film. And the sad thing is that the majority of the people that are going to watch this aren't going to understand what it's presenting and what it is. So, I mean, obviously most of the people that are hearing this understand it and get it. Mm -hmm. But if for some reason, you know, there's people that listen or not, go back, watch it again, take another, another, you know, breath of what this film is because it is so much more than your run-of-the-mill horror movie. And I just want it people to try to really you know understand it because it's one of the best movies i've seen in a really really long time and i think it deserves that attention and then you know if you see you if you try it again and you still kind of feel that way all right cool you know everyone's entitled to their opinions but i think i know on my second viewing i picked up a lot more and i was looking for stuff in the first time i watched it and the fact that i was able to pick up more on a second viewing shows just how deep the film is yeah it really is a beautifully sad film really really is and again for all of you support uh this is a co-canadian production i want to say so i'm very proud and i'll puff my chest out that this was filmed in quebec uh, a lot of the principals were from quebec uh, so good on you uh, canada for putting out the film that uh punched us all in the dick uh as vishnu said <laughs> and uh, also i want to say all of you support seville uh they're a company based in canada that are putting region one dvd out march 24th it's available for pre-order through Amazon.ca. Uh, Sammy, if you could put this at the beginning or in the bumper, I want to stick it in these cunts' faces for not uh, in America for not putting this film out and sitting on it. Because I hope everyone buys it from Canada now and teaches them a lesson to not sit on stuff in the future. I said yes, that I on agree. my show, too. I bitched about the wine they don't. They got their heads so far up their ass that they don't have any idea what the hell's going on. Well, exactly. All right, so that is our Martyrs discussion. And, uh, you know, of course, you can always check out Bill's show, OutsideTheCinema.com. Uh, uh, definitely check out his show. It's one of our favorites and one of our sister shows. And, it's funny. Uh, it's one of my favorites, too. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and Somehow that doesn't surprise me at all. New co-host, Chris. Don't yeah, Chris, doing a, uh, they've kicked it into another gear, man. If you don't listen to them, um, I would say do so. They really turned it up a notch. Uh, yeah. The awesome has been turned up to 11 on that show. Nice. Nice. Good stuff. And, of course, you can always check out our show, The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, ggtmc.com. And, of course, as always, 
leave both of our shows uh, you know nice review on iTunes if you could vote for us podcast alley all of those good things and uh, we hope you enjoyed this little bonus episode so uh, 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 sorry guys one more thing uh, I want yeah, to why, why, why would we, we just end the show why would we just end it you know why would we end it that would be too easy listen Bill all, all joking aside I want to thank you very much for, for being a, a gentleman to use that term and letting us review this because uh, you had the opportunity um to review this uh, potentially before us, and and you were gracious and kind enough, and, and it's good of a friend enough to get us involved. So I want to say thank you because without you, this episode wouldn't have been possible. Yeah. Also, keep in mind I haven't watched Twilight yet. <laughs> <laughs> I actually felt a little bit bad after after you we had gotten together on this. I felt a little bad about Twilight. I must know this. I also haven't watched Chaos yet either. So, oh boy. <laughs> so I'll call you. I'll call you guys tomorrow and tell you to fuck yourselves. So. Yeah. Nice. Are we are we uh, done sucking each other's dicks here? Can we shut the show down now? Let's let's do it, man. I gotta go see my son and wife and mother. All right. So I will say adios. All right, night. <laughs> adios.